Coming up, Matt made some mistakes and he learned something. I was back shooting sports. Another episode of Assignment Desk, off the wall thinking or masterclass. The wonderful world of 200mm f1.8. Some questions from the Patreon pledge people. Episode 64 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Konnichiwa. This is Yu Voko. Shalom. This is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash blfs. And that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-l-f-s and show us how much you love us because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Now, news. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. We talk about ourselves because we're egomaniacs. So previous month is what, April? Because May, right? Uh, we're almost done with May. So it's April, May. Yeah. Well, go ahead, because mine's not going to be as long as yours. Well, maybe. Go uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been away for almost the whole time, which is one of the reasons why we haven't recorded at all. Yeah, lots of rodeos, lots of jumping over fences and running away from things. It's been good. I relearned a pretty valuable lesson. The last rodeo that I shot was in Redding, California. It's about three hours north of where I am. And this one is kind of a compact schedule where they do, there's three sessions every day, one in the morning, one in the evening, and then one late at night. Because of that schedule, there's basically no time to edit or look at your pictures or figure out a different plan. So if you don't have a plan going in, you kind of, Mm -hmm. if you don't have a plan, you end up shooting a lot of the same things over and over again. And usually I like to take the time when I'm downloading my pictures into my computer and backing them up and everything to look through and say, okay, this works and this doesn't work. And where are these pictures? And I just didn't have a chance to do that because if you're shooting the extra session or two every day, that's more pictures and less time to edit them. Anyway, I got into a kind of a boring pattern and it wasn't like the pictures were bad. It was just that I wasn't happy with the variety that I had. And it was really good to kind of relearn that lesson that at some point you have to either find the time in the midst of all that shooting or spend the time before you go to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do in this session. And this is what I'm going to do here so that you guarantee yourself getting the kind of variety and different looks that you want. And I think that really everybody could benefit from doing that because again, Ryu and I look at all the pictures that come into the pool and there's a lot of times where everybody's putting in pictures that look exactly like the one that they put in the day before from the same event. There's this guy that continues to put in racing pictures from the same corner of the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, You know, like that it's enough already with that. Like really nobody cares that you got 15 
pictures of the same yes it's cool the track turns and it crests a hill at the same point and you have a nice background okay we get it but the funny thing is that you know i've been doing this for a long time and i made the same mistake this weekend so it's a good time to kind of reassess what you're doing and figure out how you're going to get the variety if you're shooting the same thing over and over again you really need to take the time before or during to plan it out what you're going to do make sure that you're not doing the same thing over and over again um yeah that's about it yeah it's a difficult thing huh just to like just put my two cents into it the fact that i've been you know shooting football for over 10 years like 11 years now I found like I, I've I've made different types of mistakes and I keep on making different types of mistakes. I have different types of success and it keeps on changing. So like it keeps me entertained in a way. So it's like it's not I've not perfected and I don't think I ever will. And I think that's probably like how it's going to be for the rest of my life anyway. But my, we talked about this like, you know, repetitive action stuff like says swimming or fencing or I don't know. I'm just thinking like other places. Those sports really becomes increasingly difficult to have variety because of the fact that you're limited to the action that is presented to you to present in front of you that you can shoot and also the angle and the access. So then it becomes really boring because you're basically shooting the same shit over and over and over and over and over. Some people don't really feel that way. So a lot of agency photographers and newspaper photographers because they take the same shit over and over and over and over and over. It's the difference between yeah. how we see the job and how they see the job. Their job is to go out there and get usable pictures, you know, every time. And so for them, they don't get paid any more or less depending on if they did something creative or not. Like they might hear from their editor, like we need something different. But for the most part, if they get the star players and the major plays or something, they're going to be fun and they're going to keep getting paid. And that's just not how really either of us see it. And I think that, you know, there's there's definitely a fork in that road. And yeah. which side of the fork you take is pretty important. And it, and it is a choice. You know, it's definitely a choice. For me, the most satisfied I am when I'm shooting is when I say, okay, I'm going to deliberately do things differently. I'm going to move to places that nobody else shoots from. I'm going to use lenses that nobody else uses. I'm going to time it differently than I would. I'm going to shoot from a place where if there's 12 riders that are going, maybe one will come this direction. But if that one comes this direction, it's going to be so close to me that I'm going to get a great picture of it. That's when I'm most satisfied, when I'm just going with you know with what i can make out of it and not just saying okay i'm going to stand all the way across the arena and make sure that i get a clean picture of every single one of these rods you can definitely do that and you can definitely you know if somebody gets bucked off in a crazy way or something you'll have a better chance of getting that but nine times out of ten it's going to be just a standard kind of picture but if you climbed up onto a fence and shot down or if you got into an empty bucking shoot and shot from there there's way more things that you can do and you can apply that to whatever. Like if you're shooting a race, I don't care if that's the coolest bend on the track. If you shoot there every time, all those pictures are going to be the same and people are going to tune you out after a little while. So you really need to move around and try different things because for me, it was four days and looking at these pictures and like, okay, well that was a little bit of a wasted opportunity. But if you do, if you never stop and look at your pictures and be honest with yourself and figure out th this is boring, 
then what happens? You end up with a whole season of pictures that look exactly the same. If you go to Grand Slam tennis tournament and you shoot from directly behind for the whole time and never venture out anywhere else, you have two weeks worth of the same pictures. You know, the same thing with everything else. You want to end up with a full season of pictures that look exactly the same. And the only yeah. thing that changes are the the jerseys. Like, they, at some point, you have to figure out this is going to be unsatisfying, having all pictures that look exactly the same. You're not showing that you know what you're doing to anybody other than people who don't know what they're doing. I was going to say, that does it for news, but it really isn't. Huh? Um, so what was the bad shoot then? The good and the bad and the ugly. The, that was really the the bad one it wasn't it wasn't that there were bad pictures it was that i kind of wasted an opportunity because i didn't look at my pictures during other than that it, you know it's been really good i've been able to really do whatever i want people are giving me way less of a hard time than i used to i think because they realize that i'm not going anywhere so they <laughs> really up. they can do about it um other than that it's been great i've you know i've i've gone to some great rodeos and been really lucky to be able to shoot from wherever I want and I've had some good light and I've made pictures that I've been really satisfied with and way more pictures that are different than that are the same. So um, I think I'm on the right okay. track as far as that goes. But, you know, I'm beat. I've been away for two months and I'm pretty tired. Me, April, basically, I sat on my ass and did played more Zelda, which is good. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm not done yet, but um, it's been so much fun. May, I decided to go back because I uh, my knee was uh, bendable. I wasn't in that straight cast thing that I couldn't bend my knees anymore. I could actually get on airplanes and things like that. My knee is healthy enough. And then I went on a four-match trip, three of which um, I was actually hired by a company to shoot. That's as much as I can basically say. And one of... so. Which in a way was quite shitty because like I had kind of plans to like be able to like I want to like you know post stuff on Instagram basically just like tell people that I'm still alive and I'm actually doing this but no you can't do that you know <laughs> nope but money's money and you go where the money is there it was really just the first match back I think just because of the fact that like my knee was a bit not bendy enough like I was really uncomfortable sitting on a stupid chair but I did it I felt okay by because the picture wasn't really too good and the uh, match that i was able to actually post which was the champions league semi-final was good like i enjoyed it and i really kind of missed just shooting pictures in general and that was really really good the bad so basically just me coming back the bad is that if you don't shoot for two months whatever reason that is could be like personal reasons or medical or emotional or whatever it is kind of like still getting on a bike and like riding again type of thing. But at the same time, like you need to kind of get your you know shit together. I would suggest that if you have a bit of a blank in, in shooting sports, I would really concentrate on shooting the warm up as much as possible because you can kind of get your timing right. You kind of like, like, you know, just kind of feel the buttons like underneath your fingers. You know what to do, which lands and you, it will just come back really, really quickly. But you don't want to like lose that part of being able to actually just practice before um, shooting a match, um, I would really, really do that as much as possible because that really helped me a lot in just getting me getting back into shape and you know who would actually like shoot football pictures. Been me, and then I'm gone. Uh, I think by the time this is gonna come out, I'm going to shoot Roma hopefully uh, this weekend because it's gonna be uh, the retirement match for Totti. And uh, if you don't know Toti, uh, which is likely if you don't really follow football, 
he's a very famous football player who plays for this Italian club called Roma. Apparently, it's uh, he's done, but he's gonna go to Miami probably next year. So he's not done, done, done. He's just kind of semi done in Italy. So looking forward to that and like just yeah, being able to like go come back and shoot again is a very very nice feeling. And uh, that's my good and bad. So that's news. We give you an assignment, and you show us if you've been listening. Don't doze off, and I think people have this time. And show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. We suggested that you do one that was inspired by something else other than photos, or it could be other photos, and that you've your inspiration then was used to shoot a specific photo, but it didn't go very well. We only have one entry, so we're going to skip it all together. And that apparently inspiration from whoever it was that who did this, Tom, was inspiration was us. So thanks, but we were looking for something a bit more like, oh, I was looking at the sky and I saw the blue. And I wanted to shoot something like kind of like that. So. Uh, Matt and I talked about this before we started recording, and we decided to scrap this because and, you guys are not here's the reason people. here's the reason why there were times when we used to do a monthly contest that the more obscure the theme was the fewer people would participate in it and so when we had free-for-alls more people would would play along and the thing is that there's a fine line between what we want from you which is to take chances and to think a little bit but then we get declining participation versus oh just post whatever you happen to get for that month and then we get more the tiebreaker in all of that is that we're here to help as many people as we can at the same time and so it's more important for more people to participate because then as we're critiquing and as we're explaining why people did something wrong or why they did something right, we can help more people. And that's what it comes down to. We can't help very many people critiquing one picture. So we are going to have to kind of go back to wider assignments, um, which sucks. It, It definitely, we would like for everybody to work on specific skills more often, but if this is what it's going to be, that's not going to help very much because the whole point is that all the regular listeners and people who have just started listening it's the fact that like we're we're asking you to do things because we want you to be better and if you want now to basically shoot however you're shooting you're listening to the show just for fun i guess it's fine but we it will make us much happier like when we noticed and then that that you become a better photographer or you've got in a, a contract to to uh, shoot certain events or you become a uh, you become hired as a, the agency photographer whatever like we want you to become a better photographer then what's the point if you just want to like sit if you just want to stay at, at your current level which probably isn't very very good then what's the point you want to get better then we are challenging you to do all these things so really please i mean we like i mean there should be a hell of a lot more people participating on assignment desk it should be a lot lot more yeah it's it is disappointing it's you know i was just thinking you, you people say oh you have to shoot more and just shoot more and then you'll get better eventually that that's true and it's not true you'll get better 
but unless you're actually thinking, unless you're being uh, honest with yourself and challenging yourself to do different things, you'll just end up with better versions of the same picture. You'll just end up with a little bit better timing on jump balls and, you know, a little bit better composition on somebody kicking a ball or something like that. But to to get better, you definitely have to try things different, though. that are different and that and figure out how to make those different pictures as good or better or more compelling than the normal pictures. So it's not just, you know, people say, oh, the 10,000 hour rule or something like that. And there's definitely something to that. If you stick with something long enough to that, only a very few people will not be a whole lot better than when they started. But the thing is that it's not just a linear thing. It's not just going from point A to point B. Everything that makes you the photographer that you are isn't in a straight line. It's definitely a zigzagging kind of line. It's trying things and failing, going back and looking at them, working out how to do it better. But that's really the thing like, that we need you to fail. And you, we don't want you to get stuck in this comfort zone, you know? Yeah, you absolutely have to fail. Absolutely have to fail. If you're not failing, you're not trying enough new things. That's just how it goes. Like there are times when you have to risk missing pictures to get pictures. I said it a little while ago. I was watching some other people shoot a rodeo and watching where they were shooting from and watching what they were doing. And I said that trying to get a decent picture of everyone, every run or every whatever is the perfect way not to get great pictures of anything. If you're just trying to fit it all in if you're just trying to play it safe or something like that you are never ever going to get a great picture great pictures come from risking not getting anything at all or risking just missing and having it be heartbreaking and then figuring out okay if i was three feet over to the left or if i was laying down instead of squatting down i would have had this or something like that like that's where all of this happens when you're risking not getting anything at all yeah so saying it doesn't that, have to be every time it doesn't have to be every picture but if you're not doing that on a regular basis you're not going to get any better and you're not going to get anything interesting it will be a very quite kind of an example of like how probably not to do um, we'll talk about that on um, uh, cross counter today but moving on so the next assignment well, well this net well it's going to be master class we'll kind of slide right in if you're for instance shooting uh, baseball. I want you to submit one image, wide angle. So widest lens that you have, if it's 24 millimeter, if it's fisheye, whatever you actually have, the widest possible angle. I want one shot. And then the other one, we want the longest possible. So if you have a 200 is your longest, you use your 200. You have 300, 400, 500, 600, whatever it is you actually have, I want the longest one. And should they kind of like have a kind of theme going on? Would it be a bit more interesting if we do that? Let's let's no, let's keep it very general. <laughs> Apropos of what we've been okay, talking okay. about, let's keep it as as general as possible. It's this is apparently at the level where we are right now, so we're gonna do it. This okay, way. but it has to be good. Okay, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to. We don't want a shitty one. Like, we want good photos. Okay, so it's you have you're gonna submit two images. One your widest possible and your lens range you actually have, and the other one the longest possible. It's very easy. Same sport, same game, or same match, or same whatever event. If it's a, whatever, if it's a basketball game, I don't want one wide angle from match A 
and then another one for match B. Like we don't want that same one. Like it's very important. It's it's important. It, it, there's a reason for this. It's because you need to be looking at things in multiple ways at the same event. It, it's not just the action. It's not just the setting. You have to mix those two things. And, you know, this is a good example. One of the reasons why I got kind of stuck in a rut at this last rodeo that I was at was that due to how things were set up there and where I could keep my gear and when the brakes were, I didn't really have a whole lot of chance to change lenses at all. And for safety, I couldn't have two cameras with me because having one camera and jumping over fences is plenty. Having two is impossible. When you're when you're at the same thing and you get locked into shooting one lens, you're gonna end up with pictures that all look the same. This is to challenge you to switch lenses, to think about the best way to use those things. So not only will you end up with pictures that look differently, you end up thinking about what you're shooting differently. Long and wide, okay? That is it for Masterclass. Patreon.com slash BLFS is where we are. And if you are a new listener, if you are an old listener, and if you find it that what we are talking about on a monthly basis, basically about how to become a better sports photographer, and if you feel that what we're doing, all the contents are basically free, if it's actually doing you know well for you, you feel like you're becoming better, like you feel like what we actually do is worth your money, please go to patreon.com slash blfs and give us money because like you know the more money we get the more motivated we are and better contents we will able to uh, be able to to deliver to you so that is patreon.com slash blfs questions you paid patreon you can ask them here it's cues i forgot the pledge but you understand what it is so pledge cues if you go to patreon.com slash blfs and if you give us ten dollars or more per month you can ask questions and we will answer them if you want to ask questions and if you know where you want to ask them that is going to be on flickr.com and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter and you will find our group. Please join. People there are very, very nice. They're very helpful. They really are. And they're very, I'm, I'm really happy with the people we have. And they're really, really nice people. They help each other out. And it's a very, very good group. So don't feel shy. Introduce yourself. Even if you're shit, they always be shit anyway. So they're going to help you out. And they're very nice people. You can ask them questions, but if you want us to answer it, you have to go to patreon.com slash BLFS and we will answer your question. Starting off with Michael K. There has been a lot of discussion about the Sony's new A9 camera with its 20 frames per second, no blackout and other features that appear to be innovations designed in part to appeal to sports shooters. I'm not asking if you're considering to switch to the A9 in particular or mirrorless in general. There are many reasons not to at this stage including the lack of long glass, but curious about what additional features and capabilities 
it would take for Sony or another maker to lure you away from your current system. What's your tipping point from a technology standpoint? And what is the likelihood that you will still be with your current system in five years? Can I answer this? I think we both should. Yeah, but like, can I start? Yeah. Because I've been... When do you ever ask for permission? Yeah, no, because I was just like, because I want to like, because I've actually, I, I've been asked by Sony to test out their gear. And I think hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to actually test the A9. I think the 20 frames per second to me, I don't really need that many. I don't understand why people go crazy over the frames per second. I'd be more interested in how autofocus works. And because if that doesn't work, then who cares Who cares about 20 frames per second? It means nothing. And that's my biggest grab of the whole thing that we get all caught up in like, I don't know, like back in the days, like, you know, the computers and their, yeah, and their processor speed. It doesn't matter that much anymore. Because people don't do that much with their processor. It was more about the video card. We talked, like Matt and I talked about the MacBook Pro. And we're talking about video cards and things like that before. And processor speed and computer doesn't really matter that much for a lot of people. And I think 20 frames per second also doesn't matter that much. What would matter, like Michael said, is the collection of lenses. Um, Sony's got, they don't have a 300. I think they have a 300. Sorry, I think they do. They don't have a 400. They have a 500, and that's it. And I have a 7200, like normal people, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm going to start off with that, and I'll be able to actually talk about this more if I get to actually test this in the future, and I will let you know how good or how bad this set is. Matt Cohen. Uh, I'm not considering a switch to the A9. Um, I, I'm shooting D5s exclusively right now, and I can't even imagine what would get me to not do that like i really enjoy shooting with these cameras um the and like Ryu said it's really it's all about the autofocus at this point like all these cameras can do you know the sensors are at a level where they can do fine they're all fast enough all of that stuff is fine the 20 frames per second doesn't really do a whole lot for me i think there are specific kind of applications where let's say you're doing you know, like a, a corporate shoot for somebody that makes sporting gear and you really need it to be exactly through some kind of motion. You need the, the gear to be exactly the right position like that. That will definitely help. Like you wouldn't have to do it as many times to, to get it right. But I just don't do enough where I need that level of precision to to need to go up to that. So 12 is fine for me. Like it, it it's not video like it doesn't. The example every time is a pitcher pitching motion even at 12 frames a second you're not getting exactly what you want and you still have to time it out but 20 frames a second would probably help there but it's just not important enough mm. really for anybody to need that glass huge problem but um, for me it's autofocus and different modes of the d5 autofocus are very helpful and if you get to know it and know which one is right for any given situation, you are just basically not going to have any more out of focus pictures. And I would be very surprised if what I'm reading about this camera, if it was as good an autofocus system, additional features and capabilities, you know, not really. No, uh, I just, I have too many lenses. I have, um, you know, workflows built around this stuff the likelihood that I'll still be with it is if it's still working and if Nikon is still in business, that's, yeah. that's it. And you know, that's not, that's not guaranteed. You know, they, it don't seem like they're while their cameras have reached a level that 
uh, mostly everybody's happy with. I don't think that they're, uh, the way they do business is especially relatable to the world that we live in right now. So there's no guarantee that they'll be around in five years. Yeah. And that's the only reason like I would switch to switch as well. Like if Nikon doesn't sell cameras anymore, you know, like that's really basically that's what it's it's always going to come down to. I have actually used a Sony system. I think I have it. I still have it here because I the Sony sent it to me. To me, the ergonomics is very very bad. The menu system is terrible. Autofocus wasn't very good on this system that I used. Um, I think it's like A nine two. Which one it is? A seven two. One of those. And that's really really bad. It might not be like this. I don't know, like why people are going crazy about it. I understand why people are going crazy about it because of the fact it's twenty frames per second and you just get really caught up in the whole thing. If it's really good, and if they have the selection of lenses that that Nikon offers right now, like all basically the, the, the same ones that I actually have, and they would actually like take all my Nikon gear and actually get the same thing for Sony back, and the Sony's like new camera is very good, I'll have you switch. If it's good or even better. You know, if they offer to do that, I'll definitely definitely switch. But if it's not, then why bother switching? A lot of photographers sports photographers especially we have very expensive lenses like long lenses are very very expensive and to be able to afford to buy a new one let's say you're going to get 50 percent back from what you've actually bought ten thousand dollar lens you get five thousand dollars and you switch to a new camera manufacturer let it be canon or let it be sony you're going to end up paying another ten thousand for the new lens so you're basically five thousand short why would you make that switch like i don't understand like what what would drive anyone to actually do that Unless the, the camera system you have is, well, not system, the camera company that you actually, you know, manage to actually do the whole entire system with is bankrupt and they will no longer service your camera. That's the only way you're going to do it. So we're going to move on to the next question by Simon A. West. How do you go about deciding what to charge for corporate work? Do you use a standard hourly daily rate or does it depend on the client and what you can get away with? And do you build travel, food, and accommodations to on top of this? I always ask Matt. <laughs> I always ask Matt. I was just going to say, if you're Ryu, you just, uh, you just email me, and then I figure it out for him. Uh, okay, so I wish everybody would ask this question. I wish people would stop just making shit up because it's annoying. Um, it's not a mystery. <laughs> there are a lot of different ways to figure this stuff out. If you have a couple hundred extra dollars, you can buy PhotoQuote. That's F-O-T-O-Q-U-O-T-E. Uh, has almost everything that you can possibly think of. Uh, different uses, uh, different media, time frames, sizes, all of it. It's um, pretty involved. You can generate quote letters right out of it. You can put your logo in for letterhead. Um, you can create invoices from it. Um, pretty valuable software. I think it's only $200, which means that it's probably going to pay for itself the first time you get a gig using it. The other one, if you don't feel like paying, there is uh, Getty Images has their own calculator. I think this one's more for people to figure out what they're going to end up having to pay, but it's, uh, you know, within the ballpark of what is in photo quote for what to charge. So you can go on there and use that as well. It doesn't have... I don't know exactly the same number of combinations, but it's still very useful and it's also free. We can link that um, in the blog post for this episode. 
the rest of it, you know, deciding what it's worth, how much to charge, that's easier because using those two sources and there's some other ones out there that are maybe a little bit less reliable, but still out there, th that will work and you'll figure it out. The rest of it comes into how the pictures are going to be used. If you're, if they're just straight up buying them out from you, then it's easier. But if they're, if they don't want to pay for unlimited use or they don't need to own the pictures as a work for hire or something like that, then you have to figure out how they're going to be used on top of it. So it might be you get a day rate to go out and shoot it and then you get paid for how they use it on top of it. Or they might just pay you a higher day rate to be able to own the rights to the pictures. Travel, food, and accommodation, again, depends a lot on where you are as a photographer and where the client is. There are clients that I have that I don't bill for any of this and it's just built into the rate that I get. And then if there's like a one-time client and they want me to go to the other side of the country for something that I wouldn't be shooting and that isn't of any other use to me at all, then they're definitely going to pay for all of that stuff. But again, you kind of have to feel your way through that. Like there are some clients who would expect to pay for that. And there are some who wouldn't even consider paying for any of that. That's where there's more of a gray area than deciding what to charge in the first place or just ask matt like i always do hey how much should i charge for this one that's really good it's very convenient it's only an email away but that's the service that i get to have because i'm not um, i don't actually pay matt either but uh yeah i get that service because he's a nice guy from time to time not all the time next tom beery asks Probably a basic question, but how do you get check correct exposure for games in strong sun in the middle of the day and also for celebration photos under the same condition? I try to to play it safe so that usually like my, my shorter lens with a camera thing, I think I put it up quite lenient. So like I put it on whatever shutter speed priority and I make it a bit no, no, no. I think I, I usually cramp the ISO to as high as possible, like 3200, so my direct 6400. Because in, in case that, like, you know, I'm shooting normally and then the guy jumps over the boards and go towards the, the fans, which is really, really dark, I cannot, like, flip on something. And, you know, like, I cannot adjust at that point. I just have to go and shoot. I have the ISO, like, higher than the one that I'm actually using it to shoot um, the, the, the pitch, which is a longer length, you know? Yeah. I was just kind of reminding myself, like, how I did it. How do you do it? Yeah, it's strong sun in the middle of the day is difficult. I shoot a lot of rodeos that start at 1 or 2 p.m. Cowboy hats and the shadows that they cast on guys' faces are something that is uh, I, that I constantly have to deal with. So you're looking for kind of like the sweet spot where you're not completely blowing out all the highlights, but there's still some shadow detail on the face so that you can at least work with it after. I shoot raw, so it's a little bit easier. I guess if you're shooting JPEG, you're probably going to be screwed. I don't know. I honestly don't know how you'd be able to shoot a midday rodeo in JPEG because the if they were wearing, like for instance, if they were wearing a straw hat, the light coming off the hat would be blown out and the light on the face there wouldn't be any light on the face so it would be completely dark I, I just don't know how you would do that i don't do it i shoot in raw there are definitely times where it's not necessarily the celebration photos but it'll be like for instance the rodeo that i just shot 
last weekend was it started at seven and part of the arena was in very bright sunlight and part of it was blocked out by the grandstand so basically half the arena was in a shadow and horses are unpredictable so you don't really know where they're going to be at any given time in a situation like that i like to use auto iso so i will figure out you know most of the time i'm going to be shooting at 2.8 and i want to have 1200 12 or sorry 1250 or 1600 or something like that shutter speed and then i'll set a range for the iso um you know i don't want it to go over like 3200 but i don't need it to stay super low and then you just have to use exposure compensation to figure out where the sweet spot is of if they're going to be in the sun you don't want it to um you know end up blowing it out so there is no magic to this like you're it's just a different set of trade-offs like you can have a second camera that will be set up if they're going to celebrate close to you but if it's a wide angle lens and they're celebrating really far away it's not going to matter all that much and then again if it's split light where it's shadows in one part and strong sunlight in the other part you're really going to end up having to go on some kind of auto and that's going to get screwed up if there is a really dark background or really bright background you know this is definitely the kind of situation where the better you know your gear, the better adjustments you'll be able to make in real time. And if it's just a matter of like, if they're moving from a situation where they're in sunlight to the shadow, if you can get to the the dial for the shutter and, you know, kind of turn that, leave yourself enough room so that it's, you have a fast shutter, fast enough shutter in the sun. And then when you're dropping the shutter down, there's still enough room to stop the action. Once they get into the shadows, then that's better. But yeah, I mean, there's you're either making a choice and putting it on manual and having a second camera, or you're shooting some kind of um, auto where the camera is deciding with a little bit of help from you. But yeah, there's no, you know, I, I guess dynamic range. Like going back to the the question of what would get you to switch, dynamic range is still fairly shitty. Like it's gotten better. I remember shooting digital cameras 10, 12 years ago or something like that, where there was basically no dynamic range it's gotten better since then but it's still not very good it's still not the dynamic range of like black and white film uh so that would be good i don't know if it's technically possible i don't know what the trade-offs are but that would i I think that would help a lot of people um especially people who have to shoot in strong sunlight Mm. now the last question of the month is from kevin sosa he asks Thinking about selling my 2470 and replacing it with a 35mm and 50mm set of prime lenses. Really love using small apertures to get a different look. Am I making a mistake? Large apertures. Huh? Small numbers, but large apertures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's like f1.8 and 1.2 and things like that. Yeah, so I can tell you that a 35 and a 50 aren't replacing a 24 to 70. Like there's... a whole different thing. Yeah, it's it's not a one-to-one kind of thing so the way i look at that i have both i have i still have a 24 to 70 i use it for very specific things probably not as much as i used to but i still have it i have a 35 1.8 and i have a 50 1.4 and there are definitely times when i use all of them but it's not a those those lenses aren't a replacement like i don't think that you can get rid of if you use the 24 to 70 you're not going to be able to use one of those two other lenses to replace it it's just not how it works but i feel so like if push i comes would keep to both shove, it's 
Which one would you choose? We got to be a bit more definite here. Yes or no? I don't think that the 35 and the 50 shooting at, you know, 1.8 and 1.4 give you quite enough. For me, I don't use either of those. I don't use any of those lenses, the 24 to 70, the 35 and the 50 all that much. What I I use my 24 1.4 a lot, like as much as I can possibly use it. If like that's my desert island lens, like if I could only have one, it would be the 24 1.4 just because I really like the pictures that come out of it. And then, you know, the next prime up that I use from that is the 85 1.4. I don't really, like I said, there are times when the 35 and the 50 primes can help, but I think that those, uh, like those normal kind of lenses, even if they're wide aperture, it's just not giving you enough to carry around two extra lenses all the time. So if I, if if my choice was either have a 24 to 70 or have a 35 and a 50, I would have the 24 to 70. No question about it. Yeah, me too. Like I don't, I have, I don't have that many like lenses that are like prime lenses. Well, I still do. Like I have the 400, I have the 200 and I have like assortments of like other lenses that I use kind of on a semi-regular, not like really occasional basis, you know? Because it's 2.8 and I'm just kind of like just comparing f-stop like 2.8 versus like 1.8 or 1.2 and things like that is that much of a difference to me and the answer probably is no because I I would actually rather have that versatility or being able to actually switch from 24 millimeters to 35 to 50 to 70 whatever like you know focal length that I want with the zoom lens so I think you would regret it personally I think you would really regret it because if you want to change focal length that means you need to swap lenses and that is a no-no so you have to really um commit to one particular focal length for the entire you know half entire quarter and maybe but actually switch it later on because you won't be able to actually do it on the fly and versatility i think is a very very important thing but saying that i've shot an entire football match with a 200 millimeter lens that's my short lens and that's like that's 200 millimeter that's just a prime lens and i don't mind like if i actually miss something because i only had a 200 millimeter i'd say okay well you know i made that choice for this particular day or particular match and i'll just live with it and i wanted to get something specific for that with that lens and i went out and i did it and if it didn't work it didn't work so if you can kind of think of it by that way it's all or nothing then yeah, why not going into thirty five and right. fifty? But that's you know? but it's not. We're not making the argument to not shoot with prime lenses. We're making the argument that first of all, the thirty five and fifty don't get you enough to lock yourself into it being a prime. Like the the depth of field that you get, like you can get a shallow depth of field with a twenty four to seventy. Like those yeah. will focus very close. And if something's happening close to you, you will still definitely be able to blur out the background with those in, in basically the same way that you can with the 35 and the 50. It's mm. just not, you're just, the trade-off isn't worth it because you're not getting enough because those lenses being normal type lenses aren't the, the, the different perspective of that isn't enough. That's why if you ask me, like if you could only have the 24 to 70 or you could have the 24 1.4 and the 85 1.4, then that's a different question for me. I would take the 24 1.4 and the 85 1.4 because being able to shoot that wide at such a wide aperture and being able to shoot a little bit longer than normal with a wide aperture is way more useful to me than 
a 24 to 70 at a 2.8 but that's not the question that's being asked here. So it's it's these specific lens of prime lenses aren't especially useful and don't get you that much more than what you would get with the single zoom. And it's also a personal choice, really. Like lens yeah. is really a very personal thing. Like I probably, like a lot of things I disagree with, agree with Matt, but like a lot of things I disagree is probably lens selection is completely like what he chooses to shoot and what I choose to shoot is completely different. It's fine, you know, like you have your own ways of fashion shooting. It also, you know, it's different what you're shooting. It's different how, what the kind of access that you can get, you know, like, um, I don't know how useful a 50 millimeter lens would be shooting hockey at all. Yeah. You know, so like, it, really it, close as no. well, you know, and how yeah. do you get that close anyway? Well, you could use the 24 to 70 as, you know, through the hole, like if stuff is happening right across, right against the boards, mm-hmm. like you definitely shoot at 24, you know, in a way that like the, for me, it would be really nice to be able to shoot the 14 to 24 through the hole, but it really doesn't fit all that well, you know, cause it's super wide at the end and the 24 to 70, if you take the hood off, it really does fit through there and you just end up shooting at 24 and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it, Kevin shoots a lot of different things, so it, it's just a matter of um, the access that he gets and what he's trying to do. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't make this trade. I would just, just buy it. I mean, the 35, I don't know what it is in Canon, but... But 50 is very you know, cheap 35, anyway, no? Yeah, a 51.4 is, you know, a few hundred dollars or something like that. Nikon has a 35 1.8. I don't know what Canon's version of it is, but, you know, that 35 1.8 is... Not a full frame lens, but it's close enough that you can still use it on full frame, and I do. Or like rent it, um, like you can. I, I'm sure he has yeah. a fifty. You no, know? I don't understand. Like, I'm sure he has a fifty, and there's like the nifty fifty thing. Like you know, it. that's like hundred bucks on it. They just use that, and then get the thirty five. Like just rent it for like one game. And well, see that's a one. That's a fifty one point eight is really cheap. The the one point four is more expensive, and the one point two is way more. Yeah, expensive. but like, does it actually focus? Like, but I want to know like what the focusing speed is like because if yeah. it's adequate just like yeah just try like try to accommodate rent 35 like the the most recent 35 and just use whatever familiar lens you have and see how it goes for one game and see how you shoot you know then you can make a decision after that because that won't cost you any money it's like you know rent a 35 millimeter lens and give it a go and see how it goes with those combinations think time is up that will be it for pledge cues if you want to ask us questions please go to patreon.com slash blfs and give us ten dollars a month or more and you can ask as many questions as you want actually one a month but you can ask 12 a year okay see you bye critical beatdown is a portfolio review service that we have and what it is is that Matt and I will review your photos. Unlike Training Ground, where it's basically free, you're only allowed to submit two images per month, you can submit 15, maximum 15 images, and we will review them on a video. And this will be public because we decided you know, a couple months earlier that we're gonna have everything public. It will take about an hour for us to review on video your 15 images, and that is going to cost you 100 us dollars if you're interested please email us and that is save me at biglensfashadow.com save me like you know please save me that save me obi-wan i'm your only hope save me at biglensfashadow.com
I think we only say bad things about sports photography. You say we got no soul. Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Cross, cross, counter. Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Except we're not going to do that this, this time. time. No, it's, like a negative, negative. it's cross cross counter probably yeah. you're just basically you hitting like, yourself um I just realized that <laughs> because matt thought we we're gonna do training ground and i was kind of gonna we're gonna do podcasts and i made training ground for tomorrow we're recording tomorrow i mean you know because i i thought i'd give people a bit more time to be able be able to actually join us and uh last time alvaro told us that we should do it like a week in advance and i basically did three days in advance i'm really sorry i really Better i, than I it was last time it, yeah, so it was like last time was really like, you know, minutes before. We decided to, we we're just kind of like, just kind of talking about like what we should do for Cross Counter. There was no like really big event that we could think of that warranted us to talk about. And I think we'll go back to normal Cross Counter next time. In the Flickr group discussions, we've had a thread on Frono's photo. That was one. And the other thing is that on Petapixel recently, I think it's like two days ago, they had a post on this guy who shoots uh, horse racing on a Canon 200mm 1.8 lens. What we want to talk about, just because you're, in a, you're on Petapixel doesn't mean you're actually a good photographer. And if it's Petapixel, it's quite interesting because sometimes you have really good photographers. Sometimes you just have like... It's not just Petapixel. It's, it's any kind of general interest, photography, hobbyist, gear, technology, whatever site. The people who know about sports photography are sports photographers and sports photography editors. You can't, there's no dude who's a photographer who gives workshops or something like that who happens to shoot sports from time to time and is good at it and explains it. It's just... If you're good at sports photography, you are a sports photographer. That's it. You don't shoot sports 10% of the time and end up killing it and being able to explain that to other people. And that's why we end up with Petapixel featuring a guy who can't shoot. And we end up with Fro who has like, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands of followers or something like that and couldn't shoot a sport if his life depended on it. This isn't to say that we're the only ones who know what we're doing, but those people definitely don't know what they're doing. So buyer beware on that stuff. And it's interesting because by all means, Fro knows photo makes bazillion times more money than we do. Like what for like what, you know, for an actual podcast or video cast because he's a good seller. And there are a lot of those people in the past who's done like the like general photography people who have attempted to shoot sports. We won't name names. What was that guy's name? Scott Kelby. Scott Kelby. And that's really bad because it's it's like false advertisement. You go into like Scott Kelby's website or you know, Frono's photo, and then you see that he's shooting. They're shooting sports and thinking, "Wow, like this is sports photography." That is not not sports photography or even good photography for that matter. And that's really bad. And I want you to have a bit of you know a discernible eye and to know like what is good and what is bad. It's very important. That also is going to lend your uh, lend itself to, for instance, looking at your own work and saying like, ah, oh, this is not very very good. Because if you are not like, if your eyes are not trained to spot what's good and what's bad, then it, you cannot really become a good photographer. And it's very very important. What I re I thought was quite interesting the whole two hundred millimeter f one point eight is that apparently there's only like. 5,000 or 6,000? They're very old 8, lens, by the way. 8, huh? 000, so. Yeah, it's a very, very old lens. 
And I think Canon has a new one, Canon like the 202, that was released later on, which is basically a modern, like it's a more modern design. So it's basically 0.2 difference in terms of the aperture. And apparently the 2 is much better than the 1.8 because it's an old lens. An old lens is, when it comes to like shooting sports, like it's for auto, autofocus and like everything else, it's actually old technology, which is not good. Autofocus is usually better when it's actually newer technology. But they were just going crazy on this whole like 200mm f1.8 thing. And I was like... Like the idea that it's old technology isn't... It's not good or bad. It's definitely easier to shoot with the newer stuff. For a really long time, I shot with the older screwdrive Nikon 85 1.4. Before I got the new one, I still shoot with the old Nikon 135 f2. Those are harder lenses to use because they don't focus instantly and they don't catch focus the same way that the newer ones do but you can still get great pictures from them it's just you have to put yourself in the position to be able to do that so the fact that this lens is hasn't been made in i don't know what 13 years or something like that isn't necessarily a deal breaker it's that you shouldn't fetishize any one lens or any one camera or any one thing that's really what the problem is like this guy has decided to build his whole identity around using the same lens and how many does he have i think it said he had seven seven yeah he owns there were eight thousand of them produced and he owns seven of them crazy (laughs) it's so ridiculous if you think about it i mean it's it's absurd i have two 7200s that's it Uh, and i'm not gonna have two of them forever it's weird that he has seven of them like i i don't know like do they break that off and that he's constantly sending them back like that doesn't even make sense i I don't understand again we're focusing a lot on the gear here but but this isn't about that this is about the fact that he shoots with this lens all the time but he's not even shooting in a way that takes advantage of what's what this lens does like there's on the petapixel page which we'll have a link to it on there there is not one single picture on here that couldn't have been done with other lenses certainly other lenses that aren't rare certainly other lenses that you need to corner the market on none of these pictures like there's a specific use for the 200 f2 it's mostly it's like a studio lens when you want distance from the camera and you want to flatten things out for portraits or fashion or something that's why they made that lens and you can definitely use it for sports what is it for it's for being super close and really blurring out the background but he's shooting horse racing from really way too far away and there's no reason why he couldn't have been using a 302.8 on any at all he has a couple hilariously he also shoots rodeo and bull riding and it's not the right lens for what he's doing there either because there's really nothing that he's doing with this that you couldn't do with the 70 to 200 so it's weird and this is what happens when you don't think this is what happens when you make a decision and you never revisit it so this guy decided i love this lens i want to shoot everything with it i'm going to buy as many of them as i can possibly afford and store and then I'm just going to use it all the time. And if you look at these pictures, they're not good to start out with. And beyond that, there's no reason whatsoever that he has to be using this lens. It's all the same. Like you're just you're not going to be able to learn from people like this. Like they just they don't know enough. They don't have the demands of having to. Like these people make money 
telling people how to do things, we make our money by shooting. There's a huge difference. I'm not saying that we're the only ones, but I'm saying that if you're trying to learn something about sports photography from Fro or Scott Kelby, or if you're getting yourself locked into one way of shooting like this other guy, like just because these are on popular sites doesn't mean they're doing it right. And I can tell you in these cases, they're definitely doing it wrong. Sorry, Justin Anderson, they're shitty pictures. I'm sorry, there's not nowhere around it. That's it, is this enough rant? And with that, we end the 64th episode of Big Lens Flash Shutter. Candles without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Just search for Big Lens Flash Shutter. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFlashShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket or 10, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS to recap Facebook, blog, iTunes, and Patreon. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month. So we give an assignment? Yeah, both. All right, right, sorry. Is it assignment desk and master class? Definitely a bad one. Uh, we're going <laughs> to... I tried to ad-lib there and it didn't work. Unpreparedness for this. I recorded that one. I did record that one. Good. We'll talk about those things. Matt and I, we, uh, all that kind of interesting stuff. And my daughter just came over here and she's... Daddy, bye-bye. Mama. No, it's basically your fault. <laughs> Sorry, I think they do. Nope. Um, uh, like I don't, I have, I was just kind of reminding myself like how I did it. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think it's, uh, I still have, um, it, it really, there's no, <sighs> but that is really, and that's really, really bad. So, um, without intro. Um, yeah, basically. That's it. And, uh, we'll go on and talk about more interesting things that is not going to be a rant. Could be but we'll see how it goes.